In thinking about Thanksgiving, I want to read from some poems that Helen Steiner Rice wrote, a simple prayer of Thanksgiving as I was thinking about the rain and everything else that we had to be thankful for, as well as the burden of prayer that we have for all the needs that are going on. It's a simple prayer of Thanksgiving. It says this, I come not to ask, to plead, or implore you. I just come to tell you how much I adore you. For to kneel in your presence makes me feel blessed, for I know that you know all my needs best. And it fills me with joy just to linger with you as my soul you replenish and my heart you renew. For prayer is much more than just asking for things. It's the peace and contentment that quietness brings. So thank you again for your mercy and love and for making me heir to your kingdom above. He also writes this short poem entitled, Grant Us Wisdom. God, grant us grace to use all the hours of our days, not for our own selfish interests and our own willful ways, but teach us to take time for praying and for listening to you, so each day is spent wisely doing what you want us to do. Our scripture passage for this morning, one of, comes from the book of Ephesians. We actually used it last week, and we'll use it again this morning. If you remember last week, we talked about God's plan for marriage. God's plan for marriage. And I'm, I'm as convinced as I was last week, this week, that we need to continue to express in love and sensitivity, and yet boldly and intentionally, the word of God. We must teach that which God has given to us as the plan for living our lives to its fullest. We cannot shriek just because we live in sin. We acknowledge that the book of Romans tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that means all of us, here, online, and way beyond. That we're all on level ground at the foot of the cross. And for all of us that are in sin... And struggling with sin, there is a way of escape, as 1 Corinthians talks about, is that there's always a way to escape the temptation, and that is to dig into the Word of God and seek His will for our lives, and then allow it to be lived out through us, to seek forgiveness from Him. And he tells us in 1 John that if He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, if we confess our sins to Him. So it's our responsibility he's provided the plan that we need to follow that plan and seek his forgiveness and then know that we have been forgiven and strive to live a life deeply committed to be totally obedient to the word of god and it's not easy the word of god is relevant today amen it is no matter what the world says the Bible tells us it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is relevant today from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, Revelation tells us we cannot add, we cannot subtract. But if we read the book of Revelation, there's a blessing for us. This is the word of Almighty God, the divinely inspired word of God. Not just in the most popular book to buy, not necessarily the most popular book to read. So if we're looking for the full and abundant life, if we're looking for true joy, 
then we must look to the Word of God, and we must then adhere to it. Not think, well, gosh, it's just not culturally relevant anymore. Phooey! God's Word is always relevant, always has been, is today, and always will be. Because it's God's Word, it's not man's Word. There have books that have been written by man that were relevant in their time, but have lost their relevancy or been proven not to be anything at all. Because they were written by man. This is God's word. And we, the church, must proclaim it more than just with our mouth, but how we live our lives. And when we have those opportunities in our life to share the word of God, as hard as it is to to share the truth, we must be willing to take the risk and share the word of God, of what it says, and be willing to accept the consequences come what may. Because if we're not, who will be? The truth hurts, the old adage. The truth hurts still. But the truth, as we know from the scripture, will set us free. We talked last week, and we're very specific in scriptures from Genesis and Hebrews and 1 Corinthians and so on about God's plan for marriage. And, and really, we spent just a, a few moments, you might say, half hour or whatever, maybe a little bit longer, in talking about God's plan for marriage. And really, I think we, we pretty much covered the basis. Now, we said we could drive deeper, and today we're going to a little bit. But some would go, well, Mark, that's just, it was just too simple. Well, God didn't want to make it hard. He wants us to be successful in our marriages, And so he laid it out so that we wouldn't have to guess what it was supposed to be like. Ephesians chapter 5, we read last week. And it kind of takes us to that deeper level. And that's where I want us to look at today as we spend a few more moments in discussing what God's word has to say about marriage. Because marriages are failing. And marriages are failing today because people are not making sure they have the foundation necessary to have a successful marriage as God designed it. And in our marriages today, we're more apt and quickly to listen to the world instead of to the Word of God. And we must look at the Word of God to have a successful marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, a familiar passage for all of us, and I share it with you today. Follow along with me if you have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 22, New American Standard is what I'm reading from. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Get the relationship here. We are learning about what we should do in our marriages. But we're also seeing very closely tied, purposely, about how this ties to Christ and the church. That is not happenstance. The two go hand in hand. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. He's teaching us about what we should do personally, and he's showing us about how it's done spiritually and how it's tied directly to 
the love of God through Jesus' Son. Verse 26, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body, for this reason, we are thrust back into the Old Testament, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Now, to go even deeper into the family, we look in chapter 6 with verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. May God's blessing be upon the reading of his word. As you read that, you have to stop and, and take a moment just to, to, to see who's speaking and who is being spoken to because the correlation of what God has in his plan for marriage is in direct correlation to God and the church and Jesus. Period. So if you want to know how important marriage is to God, it's so important that it was patterned after his love for the church through his son, Jesus Christ, that it all meshes into one. It's important that we have successful marriages. We cannot have successful marriages listening to the world. If we're not listening to the one who divinely gave us marriage, then we are listening directly to the evil one, Satan himself. And there's a scripture that speaks about that. If you'll turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. The institution of marriage, according to the world, is failing. Because the institution of marriage has become the institution of the world instead of that which the Creator divinely gave us. It is all of our fault. And we should all ask and seek forgiveness for our part in letting this divine blessing that God has given us to go where man has allowed it to go. As I was driving, we must, we must work for and at our marriage. Or our marriage will not work let me say that again we must work for and at our marriage or our marriage will not work 
It's amazing the world presents marriage. Now, how many, and everybody, just be honest, you're in church. How many of you watch Hallmark? Now, the other one is, how many of you are not real thrilled that your spouse or your whoever family watches Hallmark? Usually it's one or the other. But I mean, they make marriage look pretty cool, don't they? And you guess from the very beginning who's going to end up together, and you kind of know what's going to happen. There's going to be a, a, a hiccup here and there, and something's going to, and they're going to go away, and then all of a sudden they're going to come back. It's a great feeling because it ends happy, yes? I want to tell you what, the Bible ends in a very positive way. Some it may not be so positive, but God wins, amen? That's a good thing. The Hallmark Channel and the world would tell us the glamour edition of marriage, right? That it just happens. You fall in love, right? How many of you fell in love? How many of you fell in love or thought you did more times than once? As early as second grade, maybe kindergarten. Yep. And then you see those folks later on in life and think, Really? I fell in love with, with them? But we ain't even started to talk about the love. The love of God that is given to us for that one special person. A love that you will work at and for because you know it's right. And no matter what comes in life and in the time you spend together as husband and wife, all work is okay because you are committed. You want it to work. And you have found that the foundation that will allow you to work for and at it, as long as it comes from the Word of God, it is possible. 1 Corinthians 13, we read about the definition of love a lot, but there's three words in there in one verse that says this, love never fails. That's God's word. Mark says, people say, well, Mark, what about marriages that don't survive? It's not love's fault. It's because the foundation wasn't right. There was an unequally yoking. There was an unequal preparation. There was a, an unwillingness of two people to work at that which they had professed to one another. It takes two. Did you know that? Marriage is two. One plus one equals two, right? Both have to be fully committed. Both have to be fully ready and willing to work. Not just to work in and of their own strength because they'll fail, right? But in and of the strength of the one who created and gave us marriage, the Word of God. We need to get married couples back to church, amen? We need to get them to read the Bible, amen? We need to get them Bible studies where they can grow together as a couple. We need to share with them. We need to pray with them. We need to set good examples for them. As many of you raised your hands last week, being married 50, 60, almost 70 years, and if I asked any of you, and I have asked those that have been married that many years before, how did you do it? He said, this one, Bob Landis told me, he goes, Mark, there was just not another choice. From the very beginning, he said, we were married. 
We took our vows seriously till death us do part. Now I'm telling you, things happen. I'm not out in the clouds and living in the fog. I know things happen. The world is throwing a lot of stuff at our young people and our, our people who are married, whether they're married one year or 50 years. The world is bombarding us because guess what? Satan is scared to death that the institution of the family, the institution of marriage, will fail, or he's scared to death that it will succeed. So what has he done? He has went to the very core of that which God gave us in his word to provide the foundation for us to be strong and powerful, to live the life that he's called us to live, and Satan is attacking it like never before. He's been attacking it for years and years and years, just slowly and silently, and we've just allowed him. We've, we've just allowed him to split families apart. We've allowed him to take kids' minds and put them places they shouldn't have been. And we, the church, have just allowed that to happen quietly in the name of being sensitive and stuff like that. I'm, I'm going to stand before you today, folks. We need to get this marriage thing right. We need to get this family thing right. We need to love our kids enough that we will tell them the truth, even if it hurts. And the truth is there is but one God. God Almighty. And it's only through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we will be in heaven for eternity. And if we say we love our spouse, if we say we love our kids, and we're not interested in them spiritually to take the risk that it takes to, to share the Word, the true Word of God, then we don't truly love them. We love them like the world does. I told you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to talk in verse 24 right there. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Most of us here today know about that, that passage of Scripture. Probably learned it in Bible school or heard it mentioned before. I want us to, to look at that passage very vividly this morning. I think we just kind of laugh it off. But when we study that passage, he wasn't joking. then why is it today that we'll so quickly listen to what the world has to say about our marriages, about our families, and we'll try, we'll grab that book or go to that seminar or try to do it like this educated person says or not says, quickly. Instead of going to the Word of God. We think, wow, cool, it works. But for how long? How long will it last? The sand represents the world. And if we're listening to the world, we're not listening to God. 
And I'm going to tell you that over, the world has overtaken and overcome our ears so much that we can't sort out the noise to hear God to the point that we're willing to separate ourselves from the world for a brief few moments or even longer to turn off the cell phones, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, escape from all those other things that are on our list to complete so that we can be all the world wants us to be so that we can really listen to God. I'm here to tell you, if we're listening to the world, we're listening to Satan. It's just as if he might as well be standing in front of us, talking to us nose to nose and toe to toe. And this, this is the product of the world, folks. If we stayed here long enough, y'all know what would happen, right? I add a little moisture to the sand to get it to kind of kind of be okay. But the longer we sit here and the more that dries out, that becomes what? Just a pile. Because there's no firm foundation. There's no, nothing within it to glue it together. It's just a lot of opinions and thoughts and ideals that we, man, has come up with and defined a God-given, ordained gift from himself, i.e. marriage and family, of which is the foundation of the church. That's where the design came from, was God's design for the church. We think this looks so much more enticing, right? I mean, if I'd done it right. And if I'd had one of those special buckets you get at Dollar General that has all the built-in things like the castle that looks really cool. You, you been there, done that with me? I didn't have time. I just grabbed a cup and I broke it when I was trying to do this. So let's just pretend. We, we go for this quickly without thinking. And the thing is, is, is we have... Stop teaching the truth so our young people don't even have the opportunity to hear the real truth of the Word of God, as hard as it may be, as opposite as it is from the world. We aren't even teaching them it. Because it's just, it's just too real. Well, right now they need real. You and me need real. I need real. I need God. Because it's that foundation that will help me stand today in the storm and tomorrow and the day after. Now, we choose this instead of this. That looks so much, well, just kind of squint your eyes. It looks so much better than this. And yet this is a firm foundation. This is a foundation you can count on when it's laid and laid right. It may not look pretty, but it's sturdy. It'll stand the test of time. And the, the ingredients are there to hold it together specifically so that whatever's built on top of it will last. This is what we must do for our kids. This is what we must do for the world. As a part of God's body, East Union Christian Church, must, this must be our message. This must be our message right here. This is what we have to share no matter what the cost 
or no matter what the consequences. Because we need to be intentional and urgent about it because the time is passing and people's lives are ending and, and they don't have Jesus and that means they're going to hell. That's not being unloving, that's just the truth. And the Word of God gives us everything. Jesus said it is finished. He wasn't only just referring to the fact that the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for sin had been made once and for all, but everything, it was given to us and it is finished. We need look no further than the Word of God to know how to live our lives. Is it going to be easy? No. Is there going to need to be changes? Yes. Do we want to make those changes? Not necessarily. But it's eternity that depends on it. Are we willing do we need to, are we willing to teach our kids the truth? That they need to choose God's pattern for all things. The simple one to begin with. You need to tell the truth. Well, I just told a white lie. No! There's no white lie in the Bible, amen? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. But see, at a very early age, well, Johnny didn't mean it. He's just little, don't hurt him now. Well, don't smack him. I'm not saying that, but love him. Say, no, look, Johnny, we need to tell the truth. And here's why we need to tell the truth, because God wants us to tell the truth. We need to expect it. Our teenagers, they really want love and discipline. They'll smack me for saying that. But they do. They do. They want structure because that's how we were created. But we say, oh, we need to let them have that free spirit. I'm telling you what, we've done enough free spirit lately. We need to get the horses and the cows back in the barn and, and bar the door. Amen? And I ain't saying that needs to start with the kids, because it really needs to start with the adults. We need to get them back in and living according to the Word of God. Now, you, you think, Mark, this is a, this is a big ship. To turn this baby is going to take a lot. I'm going to tell you what, it's possible because we're talking about the commander-in-chief, not of the U.S. of A., but of the world and of eternity, God himself. And I don't know about you, but I believe if anybody, it's going to be him that's going to turn that rudder. I would just wish he'd take it and go, but he won't because he'll love us a little at a time. But I'll tell you what, there's going to come a day when forget about turning the steering wheel, he's just going to unleash everything on us. And we can laugh about it today and think, oh, maybe not in my lifetime. But okay, so you escape, not in your lifetime. You've made it through the pearly gates. But what about those who come after you? What are you leaving behind? What's the legacy of truth of the word of God that you're leaving behind? When the door opens, whether it's at the gas station, Walmart, or any other place, for you to spiritually speak into somebody's life, speak into it. When something's wrong in love, well, I just, I don't agree with that. And the question will be from them, well, why don't you agree? It? Are you sure you want to ask me that? Well, yeah, why don't you agree with it? Well, the Bible says, boy, watch them change. Because people don't want to hear the word of God. Because Satan doesn't want the word of God spoken. I'm telling you, a successful marriage begins and continues in the word of God. Period. Now, does that make everything go away? How many of you have been married a long time? Yep, raise your hand. When you get into the Word of God, does that necessarily make you both agree on everything in your house? Nope. Just doesn't. Does it make all the other pains and trials and tribulations? 
go away? Nope, it doesn't. But I'm going to tell you what, it provides a groundwork and a foundation to continue to love each other in fullness and to work through whatever life throws at you. And it's not easy. It, it requires forgiveness. Any of you had to ask for forgiveness from your spouse? At least once? The rest of you need to confess. It, it requires forgiveness. It does not require in marriage that you win all the time. Or the other wins all the time. It requires give and take. It requires forgiveness. It requires patience. Ah, there's the P word. It requires commitment beyond. It requires giving in. It requires being quiet as well as speaking. It requires all of this. But if we don't have the foundation going into it, then guess what? We're in trouble before we ever begin. And the foundation that we're talking about is not all the counseling of the world, but the counseling of the Word of God. Yesterday, I sat with a couple that's getting married here in September. And I looked at them both after we talked about all the other things that we talk about. I said, you know, this will be an incredible day. It'll be fun. But if you guys don't individually know who Jesus is and know where you're at with Jesus and not because of each other, then it's just going to be another day. You've got to know that. That's what you must know. Many will say to me, but Mark, we thought we had that. Well, again, marriage takes two. It takes a willingness on both people's part to do what God has called us to do. And when one has a little problem, that's where the other one helps encourage and lift up and nurture along, and you walk together. Understanding those times. Don't think it's not going to happen, because it will, because the world is all around us. But the first beginning of a great marriage is what takes place way before the vows are ever spoken. It's you individually making a commitment and knowing who God is and being willing to submit to his authority and to his word and then striving to be obedient to him in all things. Folks, we can, we can kid ourselves, but I'm going to tell you what, in the last who knows how many years, look at how the world's way of marriage and family institution has done for us. Look where we're at today. Church, stand up and speak forth the true word of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, too, sometimes it doesn't work. It's not God's fault. There was either an unequally yoked, an unwillingness of two to work together, an unwillingness to grow spiritually toward God together, or a myriad of other things. The first Corinthians says love never fails, so I truly believe the word of God that love, true love from God himself never fails. But sometimes we speak it but aren't willing to allow it to live through us. And what happens? I, I tell couples all the time, I said, I promise them, and I've told you this before probably, I said, I promise you I'll be around as long as I have breath. Whether I live here, live away, you always 
will be able to call me no matter what. Anytime, day or night. All I ask is that if you call in the middle of the night, you've had a rough time, and you're wanted, you want and need somebody to yell and scream at, if you call in the middle of the night, make sure it's me that answers the phone, not Terry. Because I'm not promising for her. But I said, you call me, you scream at me, you yell at me, you get it all out, I'll probably tell you some things you don't want to hear, we'll pray about it, then we'll go back to bed. I said, it's not to cut your family out, but guess what? Our natural inclination in our families is to be on whose side? Our family side, right? So I said, sometimes when you're having trouble in your marriage, your family's not the best place to go because their inclination is to side with you. And I said, you know, your, your, your best guy friends or best girlfriends, you know, that's just a disaster waiting to happen when you run to them with a problem like this. Because guess who they're going to side with? You. And it gets worse there, doesn't it? Well, if I was you, I would tell him, da-da-da-da-da. That's the last thing you need to know. And they do it in love. Because what you really need to know, in most cases of our lives, not just in our marriages, but in our life in general, is we need someone to step to the plate with the love of Jesus in them and speak the truth to me and say, Mark, you messed up. You need to seek forgiveness, and you need to get back on the right path. Boy, do you want to hear that? No. We enjoy that. Hey, you've been wronged. You need to get revenge. And here, I'll even help you figure out how to do it. That's not what the example that's given in the Word body of Christ, you and me, we need to be prepared to answer in the scripture, in love, truth for folks so that they can move beyond. Let us not fall into the temptation of being where the world wants to lead us. Helen Steiner Rice writes this, and then I'll close. Remember these words. We are gathered together on this happy day to stand before God and to reverently say, I take thee to be my partner for life, to love and to live with as husband and wife. To have and to hold forever, sweetheart, through sickness and health until death do us part. To love and to cherish whatever be tied and in better or worse to stand by your side. We do this not lightly but solemnly, Lord, asking thy blessing as we live in accord with thy holy precepts which join us in love. And assure us thy guidance and grace from above. And grant us, dear Lord, that I will and I do our words that grow deeper and more meaningful too. Through long, happy years of caring and sharing, secure in the knowledge that we are preparing. A love that is endless and never can die, but finds its fulfillment with you in the sky.